Blog Talk Radio. Hello to all the listeners out there, and welcome to this Sunday's edition of the Too Much Show. Today is January 12th. 2020, and here on the Too Much Show, it's always real talk by real people, and I am your host, MT, and with me are my co-hosts, Mr. Jones, a.k.a. Sam Jones, and Mr. Come First, because you got to respect me, and my other co-host, man, you know what it is, man, it's your boy Zeus the Truth, man, coming live, man, straight out of the DMV, and just to say to all my people and listeners out there, man, we appreciate you every Sunday, this is the second Sunday of a new year and also a new decade. So just to throw this out there, um, I want to switch it up because this goes in smack into our segment. Um, if, if you're going through anything out there and there's one endeavor that's coming and you don't think that anything is going to get different, trust me, a change is coming. And when I mean that, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I also will probably show you the change too throughout the episodes of this uh, of our podcast. But with that being said... Just positivity to everybody and appreciate you coming in. Now, how how y'all feeling today? Man, I hope the change is coming to this damn weather. It's cold out here, man. Yeah, I'm doing well, that, that, was, that was already weather. a change. I'm over here sweating boots right now in my house. I might have to turn on the AC. Ah. <laughs> I'm going to do jump. I'm going to do jump. I'm going to like, I don't know if it's the cigar smoke on my breath right now. <laughs> it is crazy. It is crazy out here. It's, it's definitely you crazy. Know what? I'm not going to lie to you. Change is coming in a couple of months. I can't wait. Makes me appreciate the 100-degree days. Oh, yes. Yes, appreciate it. I, I'm not even going to lie to you. I appreciate just actually just be able to talk trash while we have this warm weather and like one of the coldest months that we usually get. So this is definitely uh, a big change. And then for you to say that you're not coming outside in flip-flops and shorts, it's definitely weird within itself. So, <laughs> But anyway, just getting into the next segment, man, uh, or our first segment of the show today. Um, Carissa Shields, she actually fought, I believe, what was it, uh, Ivana Habazin. Um, yep. Just to touch on that fight, um, I'm going to let MT take it away. So I'm sure they'll probably – you know, cover it and put that uh, extra sprinkle on it. Absolutely. Well, first off, sprinkle me, baby. Shields. Uh, that was her 11th fight, I believe, and she's a multiple weight division champion. But what makes her unique or her situation unique is with male fighters, a lot of times what we see is they go up in weight. So they'll start off as a featherweight, then they go to lightweight, then they go to welterweight and they move up and they gain weight over time. Hers has actually been the opposite. She's been losing weight and going down in weight classes and capturing titles. Um, She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. And for those of you all that don't know, so she definitely has those hands. Um, She came out. She put on the show. uh, She was in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, one of the things that I liked is how she remained calm. She remained poised in there uh, because uh, her name, what is it, Habazin, came out and was actually putting the press on Shields. And when you have somebody like that that's bigger than you, 
um, a little bit taller than you, and they're coming out trying to put the press on you, it could be intimidating and throw you off of your game. But she actually, she literally, she stood in there. Um, she made her and miss from the inside and was able to counter her, which ultimately, which ultimately led to her and backing up. And Shields pretty much just going to work. Uh, Shields display excellent body work. I mean, my goodness, it was like she was chopping down a tree. Uh, the way she was tagging that girl's body. Hurt her with a body shot, uh, put her down one time. You know, base, uh, it was based off of a uh, body shot and then a combination of punches. And overall, man, it's, it's looking good. I'm not going to call her, you know, the female go to boxing yet because obviously we still got no. a lot of people. Yeah. No. We got Layla yeah. Ali out there, man. We got exactly. Yeah, I was saying, if anything. You even got Ann Wolf out question. there. But, nah, let me, Just, let me break this point down, though, about women's boxing in general. Why it seems like in our lifetime in women's boxing, it's never been a point when there's more than just one person dominating. We can never get that, like, dream matchup in women's boxing. True. Mm, sure. It's always one person that carries it. Unlike other sports, when you have, like, these rivalries of women or – these people in their prime about to fight each other. I can say this. MMA definitely has better women divisions because we get to see, like, them dream matchups. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. We got to see, you know, Cyborg versus Nunez. We got to see, you know what I mean, Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm and Holly Holm versus Nunez. You know what I mean? Exactly. We got to see them fight. Because I, I was just we, about like, to ask, like, how would this set up women boxing? And like, is Carissa Shields the key? Is it has it, to is be it, another is she the... it, it has I to mean, be another Carissa Shields out there. It has to be somebody that's to going be. to dominate this year's Olympics and go into the take women's boxing by storm. It has to be another person. It has to well, be some type of rivalry created based sure. on skill. Well, here's set. another thing. Here's another thing that I would like to see happen. I know it won't happen, but, like, Clarissa Shields uh, trained and everything against Cyborg. I would love to see Cyborg jump into the boxing ring. I would. She's a great puncher. I, I don't know right now, though. I don't know. She She's going through a lot mentally, I believe. Maybe in a year or two. Yeah, but right now, no. Especially after that L she took against Amanda and all the like weight cutting she's doing to her body, mm-hmm. and the beef she got with Dana White and all that stuff, it it's a lot going on in her psyche right now. I think she, like a year or two she'd probably be ready if she goes down. Oh, yeah. Only only and reason I disagree if you can. She's could... like thirty five. She's like thirty five too. Carissa Shields, she is. Still I think just transitioning to from MMA to boxing isn't always a, a great career choice, unless you can prove me wrong. Because I would say if you can pretty much throw a couple names out there and, and that can prove that that transition is easy, or well, not even easy. Nothing's really easy when you actually change your well, whole sport and, and the way, way that you fight. But and it, that's the classic debate. That's true. But that's the classic debate. You can say it both ways. You rarely see somebody successful in both. I mean, 
We've but that's seen James Tony try it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like to be dominant in like MMA in particular, you got to come from another sport completely, like football or something like that. Because Herschel Walker is pretty successful, and we've seen what Greg Hardy has been doing. Been doing. Mm-hmm. But as far as like think, boxing the MMA or MMA the boxing, think, no. just to close this out, and then also I got another question. I think I may have another top five for you. Top five people to transition in sports, any sport. Uh, yeah, the uh, okay. good conversation. But also, well, just uh, ending this out, uh, Carissa Shields. Who do you see um, for next fight? Do you see a rematch? No, nah, it shouldn't or... be no rematch. Shouldn't be no mm-hmm. rematch. Uh, to be honest, I don't know what. I don't honestly. I don't know what next for her because she's just running through everybody. So, I mean, I guess whoever wants to step up to the plate and take her. Next one up. That's all I can say. Next one up. Like I said, it has to be another one. It's not another one right now. All right, well, I guess we'll see. If anything else comes up on that, definitely let everybody know. But uh, I think the next logical fight, they said, uh, what was it, Alexandro Jimenez? I guess. <laughs> he said, I guess. Like, who's that? But no, yeah. I, uh, kind of looking at the stats, he's, he's um, pretty decent. I'm not even lying. So, I guess to go ahead and change topics, man. Let's go ahead and get into these sports games. Um, Saturday, uh, we had two games. Um, first game was the San Francisco 49ers against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh-huh. What are you guys' opinions on that game? We all know the outcome. And if you want to recover yeah. the score, that is cool. But um, as far as just a fan of football and also talking about it, I want to say that game was <laughs> like I felt like I was watching trash. somebody play Madden. Yeah, I mean, it was trash is what it was. It was absolute trash. <laughs> the, the offensive line of the Minnesota Vikings got – no push for Dalvin Cook to be able to do something. Kirk Cousins played okay. He wasn't horrible. He wasn't great. He was kind of just there. Um, Make that but, better. Um, Super well, not Super Bowl uh, playoff quarterback worthy playing well or no? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean because we literally saw Ryan Tannehill last week throw for 82 yards, and they beat the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. So to put up, so to go 21 for 29, 172, one TD, one pick, I mean, that's that's a pretty much, that's an average game, especially in the playoffs where things get tighter and everything is so heavily relied on the run game. What I was surprised of was, again, the Vikings offensive line not being able to create a push because I felt like this was a game that, Dalvin Cook could have taken over Like Derrick Henry did last week And also this week we'll get into that game Eventually also another thing That I was seeing is they were Being too vanilla On offense 
Like, they kept trying to throw screens to Dalvin Cook. And the 49ers, it was easy for them to sniff it out. They weren't changing up the formation. Um, it was pretty much damn near the same thing. And they kept trying to throw screens to Dalvin Cook, and he just couldn't break anything. He couldn't. So, overall, I mean, and, I mean, like, let's look at Jimmy G's stats. 11 for 19, 131, a TD, and a pick. So, he was average as well. But Tevin Coleman, their offensive line was able to do what they needed to do. Uh, they created a great push for him. He ripped off some big runs. Um, they also, it's like now, at first they had a two-headed monster and running back. Now they have a three-headed monster because this guy Mostert has been coming on, I guess because Breida got hurt or something like that, so they had to, you know, work Mostert in there. And, like, now he's yeah. doing what he has to do. Yeah. So, with that being said, I mean, it was really – it was the running game and it was the 49ers defense that made things happen. It just was. And shout out to Richard Sherman in particular, man. He proves, like, no matter how old you are, as long as you have wisdom and you know what you're doing at your position, yep, he still can be great because he read Kirk Cousins on that pick. Oh, he did. He definitely read him. He read him on that pick. Uh, what else? The, the DBs were staying with Thielen and Diggs. I mean, these guys, they weren't able to do anything. They weren't able to create much separation away from the defensive back and give the 49ers mm-hmm. defense credit. Like you said, Mr. Jones, all season, the 49ers, they played with heart. Because remember, that game got off to a 7-7 start, and it looked like it was going to be – a shootout, but then the 49ers defense said, no, 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 we need to slow this tempo down and keep the ball out of the Vikings' hands because they knew in the third and fourth quarter, uh, late third or early fourth quarter, they didn't want to see Dalvin Cook because when your defense is tied and beat down like that, you don't want to see a big dude like that running at you. You don't. Oh, they shut him down. He had a tough day in the office. Yep. Horrible day. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, man, they look like who they should be right now, Super Bowl contenders. they one game away. Yep, and that's why home field advantage is so important in the playoffs and having that number one seed. It's just a shame that Kirk Cousins, it seemed like them big games, he just can't get over that hump, though. Yeah, but it's a lot of quarterbacks that are like that. We talked about Drew Brees. He only had one season where he got I mean, but you can't really – I would say as much blame they put on Kirk Cousins, you can't really blame him because, like how you said, they couldn't produce a run game. So, kind of either goes on. on They were shit all around. It wasn't wasn't Kirk. Dalvin couldn't hit holes because Dalvin couldn't see holes because the line was garbage. Yeah, I mean, he didn't help himself because he wasn't breaking many tackles anyway. The receivers couldn't get open. And some of that game, they were playing man, and they still wasn't getting open. So that's an indictment. I mean, you look at the defensive line. I mean, that's one thing the Vikings had for the past decade almost is a deep, decent front four. They wasn't really getting much push. I mean, they was garbage all around, honestly. Yeah, they definitely were. 
I wasn't impressed with their performance. I'm going to be honest. That defense looked horrible. And they looked like they were, I mean, they were just letting Tevin Coleman do what he wanted to do. Tevin Coleman looked like he was the top five running back last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speak about running backs, man. Let's go ahead and get into it, man. Let's talk about the Titans. Uh, Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. Ooh, nah, that's touchdown Ooh, Mr. Jackson. Ooh, ooh Mr. Jackson. <laughs> Titans for real. <laughs> man. Um, I don't know where you want to start. I I, I don't know where to start this off at because uh, with the score. That, Let's start with the final man. score. What was the score, gentlemen? What was the score? Oh, well, I think highlight was was Tennessee <laughs> Ravens twelve. That's what the final score was. And I want to talk about a mixture of things. Um, first thing I want to talk about is. To the Lamar haters out there, the Lamar Jackson haters, please stop, okay? Yes, he had a bad game. However, all of this game was not on him. Does he deserve 50% of the blame? Yes. Why? Because he's the quarterback. And with the quarterback, with the uh, 50%? 50% half of the blame. 50. 50, yes. He deserves that because he's the quarterback? Yeah, because guess what? When they went 14 I give him maybe 35%. If you want to give a logical I give him to, I give I'll give the logical explanation why. Because when they went fourteen and two, oh Lamar's the MVP, his face was all over everything, and it was Lamar, oh, Lamar, that's cool. Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. I mean, but you take that you take that but, with the bad too. So I get I mean, that's I, a okay, well, years too. Me, with me saying that I can get that. But also you don't blame maybe the offensive coordinators, uh the play callers. Sir, um, sir, 50% is not 100. Your support the system. Once again, well, I mean, but deserve, that's a, it's not a chunk that's too. Half, that's half of the blame, though. Yes. I can okay. see you could be he majority of the blame. I get no, you. No, he deserves half of the blame. The other half goes to the receivers that were dropping passes. His coach, even oh, though yeah. they were perfect all year, were going forward on fourth down. They decided that they wanted to omit points and have Lamar keep going for it. The offensive line deserves some blame because they will create no push for Lamar on those fourth and ones and fourth and shorts for them to be able to convert. And the defense not being able to stop Derrick Henry. But unfortunately, because this on most teams or all teams, the quarterback is the highest paid player on the team. He deserves half the blame. It is what it is. You got to. It comes with the territory. But I go that part of it on the play caller because yeah, I mean the they start, the coaching. They went. They wouldn't switch from game plan. They wouldn't switch from game plan because like the RPOs is getting stuffed very early. I like to the point that they read them and the defensive line shifted pressure that direction when they ran them. Yep. I just want to know this sure before did. we we go into anything else. So you're saying he mm-hmm. deserves. Fifty percent of the blame. So, did you say the same thing when, when Brady lost? Yeah, Brady deserves half the blame as well. He's the quarterback. I think you're it just agreeing with me. I, it's okay. I'm not. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what you no. did. I see what you did. Sis. No, but, but but the difference. But but here's the thing, though. 
let me ask you this. When have when, this season, correct, everybody said that the Ravens were winning because of what? The MVP play of Lamar Jackson. Everybody gave who won New England the credit for New England's victory? The defense. I've gotten on here many of weeks the and defense? gave them credit. So, okay. Did they not? Who got? Let me ask you this. Who got more credit for their team's success, Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady? Just answer me that question. How, no, no Lamar, how do we get Lamar Tom Jackson Brady on our top Tom five Brady. No, Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady? Which one? What? Well, what do you, who what do you got ask more me, sir? credit? What I'm asking you is this. Out of Tom for Brady and team? Lamar Jackson, who got more credit for their team's victory, Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady? I'm gonna be biased. I'm gonna say Tom Brady. Tell the truth and shame. Tell the truth and shame the devil. It is Sunday. Lamar. Who? Who? Say it again. I say Lamar. Lamar. Okay. Okay, So So if Lamar is you're not gonna sit here and like they didn't praise this man, but I didn't say all of it. I didn't say all the blame was on him. Okay. I said you didn't say. Ho, ho. I said fifty percent. That's that's half the blame. You might as well take all the goddamn blame. No, he shouldn't. Because the other half goes to the defense, the coaching, the offensive line, and the receivers not catching the ball. Man, that's a, but Lamar, that's a lot of teams, yeah. coaches, Dang, receivers. Give I give him 35% of the blame. You gave all them 10%? You said right. what? You going to give Lamar 50 and all of them 10% apiece? Yeah, absolutely. If any, if anybody deserves 50% of the blame, was the defense. I disagree, but go ahead. We'll agree to disagree on that. Okay. I think the receivers deserve at least 30, man. Exactly. Andrews That's dropped why I gave the pass like early line. for the pick. They had like four or five drops that game. Exactly. That's why I said the receivers played terrible. They did. But they deserve but Lamar, more than 10%. <laughs> well, they but, – The play calling deserve at least 20. 50. But my thing is this. The play calling – You as the court – but, again, but here's the thing, though. As the quarterback, what are you allowed to do? You can audible or change the play at the line. So, if you're doing your homework like you're supposed to and you see that a play is not working, you can then communicate in the headset back to the head coach or the office coordinator, hey, this isn't working. Well, Lamar, we want you to run this. You know what? Fuck this. I'm Willie Beeman. I'm going in the huddle. Hey, I look. This is what we're going to run. This is what worked before. But the shit that they're telling us to do, it's not working right now. So this is what we're going to do. You have that option. Peyton Manning has shown I mean, that. He, tried, he that. threw 59 passes. He threw 59 and, and that's passes. And that's a huge problem. He shouldn't have thrown 60 times that game. I agree. That was poor. It was horrible. Because part of it was on play called it and Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram had six carries for 22 yards. Where is his help? Lamar had exactly. to run for 143 himself. Yep, and guess and guess what? It's a few times on Lamar POs. Lamar could have let that ball go and gave it to Ingram, and it's also a couple times where he could have checked out of that stuff and handed the ball off. I'm not I'm not saying that it's all his fault at all. It's definitely not. But as but at the end of the day, when you are the MVP of the league and the MVP of your team, you have to take the good with the bad. 
and this will be a lesson learned for him. Plain and simple. It will you know, be. You know, ultimately what you're saying is. the lesson learned that you nah, just said. Seriously, ultimately what you said is a dude that got over 500 total yards that game should take 50% of the blame for losing. Yeah, because didn't a lot of those yards come in garbage time in the fourth quarter? Yes. Uh, yeah. They came when Tennessee uh, went into a prevent defense. When Tennessee was up 28-6 to six in the third quarter, they went into a prevent defense. It's not hard to pick up yards, sir. You being a Cowboys fan should know that. Dak Prescott picked up a nice chunk of his yards this season in garbage time because we were down big in games that either he put us in or our stupid-ass field goal kicker put us in. So when a team is in prevent defense and stops being aggressive, it's not that difficult to pick up yards. You and I can go out there and pick up some yards with a prevent defense. Yeah, I wouldn't drop the ball five times either. But that's another story. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not another okay, story. Okay, so how many how many how many yards did Derrick Henry hand with the lights uh uh end with that night? One ninety. Buck ninety. One ninety. The defense was ass, complete ass. I told y'all that before we jumped on here. Earl Thomas is, I don't know what the hell kind of scheme they got him running in Baltimore, but that defensive coordinator either between needs to the defense, or he between should be the defense, fired. Between the defense and the receivers, yeah. Correct. who deserves the, the more blame? Uh, oh, and the coaching. The so and that's receivers? not over 50%? No, that's about 50% for me. That's about fifty percent. You gotta take okay. this is the thing. It can't this is the thing, and I get what you all are saying, and I get it. In a in a perfect world, yes, they should have sixty to seventy percent of that. But what I'm trying to understand what I'm trying to get you all to understand is this. The NFL has done this. If you all haven't realized I got a better point. I got a better point. Hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. The quarterback has become the most important position in the entire football league. We will see a quarterback get a $200 million contract, which he plays today in Kansas City, and we'll talk about that game later on. But we will see a quarterback get a $200 million contract before any other player on the team gets that. So because the quarterback is the most important position and they get 90 to 95% of the praise when the team is winning, when they lose, they have to take some of that blame. It is what it is. They have to. Okay, so they take that blame, right? And you led right yep. perfectly to the question I wanted to ask. So who did their job last night? Or who tried to produce for the team last night? And then we're going to see where the blame goes into. The only person I can honestly say from last night who did their job was Lamar Jackson. That's it. And he deserves 50% of the blame. He deserves, he still deserves 50% of that blame. Oh, because, okay. again, then, now, that, sounds you crazy. that sounds crazy. <laughs> Let's it move doesn't. on to the day's game. <laughs> no, no, we don't have to move on from it. We can go back to it. Here's the thing. What we're not going to do is we're not going to sit up here. First of all, we're not going to shy away from an issue that is an ongoing issue with the NFL of quarterbacks receiving all the credit and then getting none of the blame. First of Hell, all, if that's the case, you just said, hold on. Or to all the Lamar haters, hey, 
I want to tell you something. And then it's you now it's you sound like a Lamar headache because yeah, you're making him take fifty percent of the blame when he's doing his job. And I do, and I don't agree with that last statement because Tom Brady gets a lot of the blame, like he had receivers throughout the year, like Muhammad Sanu wasn't supposed to be his exactly. target. He's garbage. Yeah, exactly. Brady got a lot of the so blame. They do so get if the that's blame. the case, so so this is the thing though. This is what and you're helping making my point, Mister Jones. If Brady got a lot of the blame, and the what's the name got the credit for it, the defense. Then when it was when the shoe was on the other foot and Lamar was doing what he was doing, remember spinning. Oh, he looked like Madden twenty video game. He had five hundred yards of offense this game, four fifty in this game. What did he do this game? He had five hundred. But they still was doing that some of that too. He still was doing some of that too. I, I'm sure you just seen a couple of runs that he <laughs> made and got them up the field, and nobody else can produce. So what what point are you saying? What's your what's your real point? I think that you're sounding more point, of a hater. Think you're you're going you're going against the grain not, of what you just came I'm out with. Your opening statement what was I just said was this. Half of the blame goes to him. He is the quarterback at the end of the day. You are responsible right. overall. We can we can agree to disagree, but also I can agree with that. He'll he'll get fifty percent of the blame by default. Because also what Mr. Yeah. Jones said, yes, we do blame Tom Brady or any other quarterback if their team is not producing, and then also they give them the, oh, they're supposed to do this, they, they're they supposed to have these highlights the and everything. Win. All right, okay, by default. But I don't agree with that. He should have 50% of the blame. He should he At should least have last night's game. But in other news, but in other news, the Tennessee Titans, we got to give it up for them. We do. It, it is very in particular. We definitely do. That's Derek yeah. Henry I mean, in particular, Derek, though. Of course. And, and here's the thing. People keep giving Mike Vrabel all this credit. I do give him the credit because he finally came oh, up no, and woke up. Oh, no, he cooked up some defense now. Yeah. He cooked up some defense. I was like, they were reading them RPOs. They were. And let's give it – I mean, is it safe to say that the Tennessee Titans probably have one of the most underrated secondaries in the league? Yeah, Byers is the best safety in the league. People yeah, forget about that got, dude. Yeah, and he, you got Kevin and he got Byers, a pick early. Got, yep, Kevin Byers. You got Logan Ryan, and you got Malcolm Jenkins, who was on the Patriots there. Them boys, they hungry. They are. And Tennessee, like I told people, Tennessee always had a good defense. What their killer yeah. kill was was Mariota and not using Derrick Henry correctly. Because remember, Derrick Henry, he wasn't even a feature back his first couple seasons in the league. They had him as a backup. To Lindell. Lindell what? Yeah, exactly. Which is crazy because Lindell White was a backup in college. Exactly. And then, I mean, let's be honest. The best move they made was getting Tannehill and bitching Mariota and sticking with Tannehill. Because no matter what you say about Tannehill, one thing you can always do is throw a deep ball. Yep, always. The guy, and, and guess what? It's safe to say that they got Tannehill some decent weapons at wide receiver, too. That team is just a big physical you team. That's what it? they are. Yes, from A.J. Brown to Johnny Smith 
to even Corey Davis, all of those guys, Derrick Henry, they're big and they're physical. That's what they are. They are big and physical. That team. I mean, they look like real threats. I was about to say that it's looking scary, and I got to be honest. I don't want to see it, but if the Tennessee Titans are in the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be mad at it. But I'm going to be honest; it's going to be one of the lowest-rated Super Bowls, period. Because don't nobody. Yeah, Joe Buck will be bored. Joe Buck will sound yeah. bored calling that game. <laughs> exactly. Because you got to remember, that Fox way. got it this year. Oh, Fox has it. Oh shit. Yeah, Fox got it this year. It's Buck and Aikman, baby. Yeah. But here's the but here's the crazy thing too though, just to go back to Tannehill. Like, he had an okay rookie season. But listen to these stats for twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, and twenty fifteen. Thirty nine hundred yards receipt of passing, twenty four touchdowns, seventeen interceptions. Okay. A little high on the interception rate, right? But then twenty fourteen, over four thousand yards passing, twenty seven touchdowns, twelve interceptions. 2015, 4,200 yards passing, 24 TDs, 12 interceptions. It wasn't Tannehill's fault. That Miami organization has just been in shambles ever since Ricky Williams left. Hey, he could, he could stay he, healthy too. Let's be honest. He got he, he got he got banged up a lot early in his career. He did. I mean, but well, yeah, you know, he was always the decent passer, and he had legs. He could run too. Well, That's underrated about Tannehill. But his first, but his first four seasons, he started every single game. His first four seasons in the league. But yes, I give it to you. His last two years in Miami, they obviously they yanked him, uh, or he got hurt. But yeah, I mean, so him in Tennessee, them going to Ryan, Ryan Tannehill was genius. Because, again, A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith, Corey Davis, and Derrick Henry, like, my God, they are, whew, they looking like a force to reckon with. And it's crazy. But it's sad, though. The Ravens he are already, favorite, he already, man. And look at the team. He already has uh, like close to 400 yards in the um, playoffs just now. You, who, Henry? Yeah, yeah but, I know. But he beat the Patriots. They beat the Patriots. They didn't beat the Ravens. It was like the story is being told. The story is being told. Either this is going to be Mahomes' easiest path to the Super Bowl written for him, or this is going to be the Titans' story. They're going to be the AFC version of the Giants. They're going to yeah. be just like Eli them back in those seven. going to be crazy. Yeah. Because let's let's be honest, gentlemen. If you line them up against one of them NFC teams, I think they got a good shot in the Super Bowl. Because I think they can out 49ers to 49ers as far as that rushing attack. And I think Tannehill right now is a better quarterback than Garoppolo. Uh-huh. And then if you look at Green Bay, I don't think their defense really got much of a chance against Derrick Henry. 
I mean, I haven't seen a running back really dominate games like that in the playoffs since, like, Terrell Davis, brother. Yeah. Nah, you're right. You're right. Or, I mean, well, Terrell Davis, I don't know. I think we've seen one running back dominate. I think Beast Mode, that first year that Seattle won it all, Beast Mode dominated in the playoffs. Or was he hurt? Did he get hurt? I, I can't really recall. Either Beast Mode, I, can't I know really he recall. was hurt. Yeah. I think he was either hurt the last couple games of the season or the first. No, you know what it was? Their second go-around, he got hurt. He carried them through the playoffs that first go-around. His second go-around, he got hurt, like, last game of the season. I think he sat out a game and then showed back up in the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl and then played well. And then we all know that story. He didn't get the ball on the one-yard line after having such a good game and making a comeback from the injury. And he ultimately left, went to the Raiders, retired, and then now he's back in Seattle. Yep. And you know what? At the end of the day, we're going to see him in action today. Let's get into today's games. All right. right. So, look, let's go. AFC. Um Is that the night's game or is that the early game? Uh, I think the Seattle well, the game. Seattle Green Bay. Seattle Green Bay is tonight. Yeah, that's okay. Six forty so on Texas, the east, three forty on the west. So to see the Titans, depending on this winner of this game, we have the Texans versus the Chiefs. I really, I don't right, even know what to call this, but if anything, yeah. So I just had to make sure. Had to double check. Yeah, so I'm looking at it that's now. That's a for y'all. It was something that came up, but uh, I'll probably mention it later. But um, if anything, um, I guess uh, Mr. Jones, go ahead and kick it off, man. All right, twelve oh five on the west, three oh five on the east. You got your Texas playing your Kansas City Chiefs. You got Deshaun Washington lined up against Patrick Mahomes. This cannot be an easier path for Mahomes if he wins this. But the Titans looking dangerous. Who y'all got, man? Live on CBS. Hopefully it's Romo and that. Hopefully it's Romo and that. I pray that it's Romo and that as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't know, man. This is a tough one to call because what the NFL could do is they can make this a tight game. Uh, hopefully Houston has learned from their mistakes because we all know what happened the last time that they played Kansas City. Uh, they got their ass whooped. I think we can all agree on that. They got their ass whipped. And if you're going to make us wait until 2 o'clock for a game and we don't get another game until 6.40, this game at least needs to be interesting. Not that bullshit that we saw for the early game yesterday. Like, that game was absolutely terrible. So... This game, I really can't see a different outcome with this game. Just based off of... I can't either. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I can't see it just based off of the inconsistency, the slow starts that the Texans get to. And we all know that Kansas City is a team where 
they don't kick field goals. No disrespect to the Buffalo Bills. I get it. Y'all had a good season. Salute to y'all for making it to the playoffs. But kicking field goals in the playoffs, when you have a team that's – when you have an explosive team down, it's not going to work. It's not. And if the Texans believe that the, uh, that the Kansas City Chiefs are just going to kick field goals, that's not going to happen. So the Texans need to treat every possession like it's their last. They need to take care of the football. And Deshaun Watson has to make the right decisions with the football. But ultimately, man, Patrick Mahomes, thank God for them sitting him out in a couple games. I know they rushed him back, but shout out to that training staff in Kansas City, nursing that injury that he had until he was essentially fully healthy. And, yeah, look for the Kansas City Chiefs to be in that AFC Championship versus the Tennessee Titans. I just I can't see the Texans winning. I can't. I want to, but I just can't. I feel like that there will be. That's well said. Day, I mean, I, I, I definitely one. agree. I mean, you know, I usually ride with the Texans at least throughout the, uh, the main course of the season. But I also mm-hmm. said their inconsistency makes me worry. Um, and also came coming into the the later portion of it, and then I think what that makes me lean towards them because they have proved that they can win a couple of these tight games regardless of the slow start that they give off, they still have a chance to fight back. And then it does come down to Watson actually being the quarterback and being responsible and getting the ball out in time and making correct passes or even just reading the defense. Sometimes I don't even think that he has the court, uh, I guess the coordination with his offensive line that that way that slows him down. He ended up making a bad play as soon as he even snapped the ball maybe end up uh, causing a fumble because he's not even reading the defense and getting his line together or even getting everybody on the same page. So if he can control uh-huh. the field and control the offense, I think this could be a great game for the Texans. But it also comes down to their defense as well, too, because, like you said, they don't kick field goals. So if they can get more turnovers on downs and get turnovers, then it may be a good game for the Texans. I'm still up in Annie. I do want to go with the Chiefs, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Texans on this. Yeah. So you going with the Texans? Okay. Yeah. Nah, this is the pass on Mahomes. Give me, give me the Chiefs. It is. I like the story of Mahomes versus the Titans. Because it's a match. The story the run. It depends on how you're gonna play. I mean, like. He'd be ready. I don't. I think they're maybe 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 because I really wasn't focused on Patrick Mahomes this season um, versus like his last season because it wasn't, I guess, the narrative that we had painted before the season started because it kind of got short due to injuries. But other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't see the hype. If you if you mean the story, like I don't I mean, see why I mean, that story would be any better. I mean, I see the hype because we're talking about a team yeah. that was essentially. Hold on, I will tell you, that team was. So the Chiefs ended up being. What was it? I think they. 
after the Mahomes injury and everything, they were seven and four, and they ended up winning out. So from week thirteen, they literally won out. So with their last few games, they beat their division rival, the Raiders, forty to nine. Then they went to New England in Foxborough, beat the Patriots. Then the next week, they turned around and where did they go? They were at home against another division rival, the Broncos, beat them twenty-three to three. Okay, week after that, they turned around and they won again, and they beat the Bears twenty-six to three. Didn't even look like the Bears even showed up that game, and that was a home game for the Bears and a potential for the Bears to even try to make, you know, some type of push into the playoffs. And then they got into a nice shootout last game of the season versus the L.A. Chargers and ended up winning 31-21. to So they went on a nice streak at the end of the season. And with that one, with that bye week, hey, the Chiefs were able to get Mahomes even more rest on that ankle. And I'm going to be honest, man, the Chiefs, they're clicking. And the Texans have to make every possession count. And the one thing that the Texans don't have that we see is the winning formula for a lot of these teams is a good running game. Like, who's the Texans starting running back? Mm. Who Mm. is it? Carlos? Who is it? Carlos Hyde? Who is he? I would say based on last week, based on last week, he is the feature back. Yeah, so it's Carlos Hyde, but is he going to have enough success to play keep away from the Chiefs? No. No. He may. Didn't he fumble last week? Yeah, hold on, let me make sure. Yeah, no. No, 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 Hyde didn't fumble. Hopkins and Watson fumbled, but Watson didn't lose his. Hopkins did. Yeah, I remember Hopkins fumbling. Yeah, but no, Hyde didn't fumble, but at the same time, they don't have enough to play keep away from the Chiefs, and that's been what it's that's what it's been about this postseason is playing good defense and then using your running game to play keep away and then cashing it in for a touchdown. And I just But then again with the Chiefs, you can't play keep away from a team that don't need time. Exactly. You, you, that's you true. You can play too. keep away, but if I score two minutes, what the hell do that mean? <laughs> Yeah, but you can always yeah. you can always bank off mistakes and utilize that. But and you prove it the Chiefs' points because Watson will make a mistake. Yeah, but well, well, not even just that. The Chiefs are the type of team they'll let you dominate time and possession. You can have the ball. They're just going to tell you within a minute and a half to two minutes they're going to be down the field and cashing it in for a touchdown. Can you turn around and do the same? Because if you have to stop and settle for field goals, guess what? It's going to be a long day for you. Because, yes, the Chiefs don't have a good defense. Their offense is their defense. Is that enough to actually win a Super Bowl? We've seen it in previous times where it's not. But is it enough to at least get to the AFC championship game? Absolutely. And with J.J. Watt being banged up again, he's hurt again. Um, obviously they don't have Clowney 
I mean, who are they going to pull on to be a leader on that defense and say, I'm going to shut down Tyreek Hill? Like, the thing is, they have too many weapons on that Chiefs offense that Mahomes can go to. He can throw it to Tyreek Hill. He can throw it. uh, They can give the ball to, what is his name, Damian Williams, the running back. They can turn around, give the ball to uh, Sammy Watkins. They can pass the ball to, uh, it's another guy on there, Hartman. Like, they have too many Mm -hmm. weapons on that offense that you, to be honest, your best bet is to try to get pressure on Mahomes. That is your best bet is to get pressure on Mahomes and disrupt the timing between the quarterback and the receiver. And ultimately, I just don't see Houston having enough to do that. The only secondary that can do that right now is the Tennessee Titans secondary. And then ultimately, man, Andy Reid knows what to do to get to that championship game. He has to again, at least for the AFC. I don't know, man. It's too many narratives leading towards the Chiefs winning, regardless. It is. But one more thing, though. Before the CBS game, they did announce the first official Hall of Famer for the 100th year of the NFL, and that was Bill Cowher, coach of the Steelers. So shout out to him. Uh-huh. He did have an incredible run as far as the Steelers coach. Oh, of course he did. He did win a Super Bowl. Did he win he one went to a few AFC championships. I thought he won two. I thought Tomlin won one. Tomlin won one. And Cowan won the oh, other yeah. one with Jerome Bettis. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah, they sent Cowher off good. But I thought I could have sworn Bill Cowher won too, but I'll double check it. Nah, he been to the other sick. one. He lost to the Cowboys. Got it. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Neil Donald, Larry Brown, all that shit. But, yeah. So, I mean, shout out to Bill Cowher. Yeah. Yeah, you he right. No losses. Mm-hmm. Getting your yeah, face you coach. Right. I think he spent 15 years with the Steelers, and he started off under um, Mike Holmgren. Yep, as a coordinator. Yep, which is somebody else um, I feel like doesn't get the praise that he deserves when it comes to being, you know, like one of the greatest coaches, Mike Holmgren, because he's produced some successful coaches from his lineage. Holmgren also won the Packers Super Bowl, uh, Brett Favre's only Super Bowl, and he was good at creating that mystique of the whole Green Bay Packers and Seattle Seahawks rivalry. Like, Holmgren, yeah, he was pretty good. Holmgren was, yeah. Didn't Andy Reid come from Holmgren? I think he did. Uh, well, I mean, it's just crazy chat. how like it's crazy how like a few coaches like just sprout off to a whole generation like Belichick and Andy Reid and Mike Holmgren yeah. and people like that. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, because Reed has a nice tree as well, and Doug Peterson was under Andy Reed, and we know what Dougie P was able to do with Philly. I mean, we see it live in action. Three straight years of them making the playoffs, one Super Bowl went out of there. I mean, it. he won a Super Bowl his second year with the team. That's nothing to scoff at or look down at. So, yeah, Andy Reid, and you can actually argue that Andy Reid's coaches, or I guess Mike Holmgren's coaches, have had more success than even Bill Belichick's understudies, because none of Belly's understudies have actually won a Super Bowl. They're trying to. It looks like one might be with Mike Brable, but other than that, who? Because Bill O'Brien hasn't done anything. We know the type of snake Josh McDaniels is, and we'll get into the whole coaching hires and everything soon. But, you know, Josh McDaniels not panning out in Denver and then coming back to New England, then promising to go to Indy, then backing out of it. Uh, Romeo Cornell wasn't really given a fair shake because they sent him to the Cleveland Browns, and we all know how that damn franchise is. So, yeah. Well, yeah, speaking of the Hall of Fame, though, I think this class might be one of the best classes ever, though. Because you got Paula Malu there, first time. You got Edwin James there. You got Zach Thomas, Richard Seymour, right now, John Lynch, Steve Atwater, Lori Butler, if you remember him, great safety for the Packers, Reggie Wayne, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. Yep. I'm surprised both of them got in together, which was crazy. Well, now they finally uh, they still got to vote for oh, the rest. Finally. Okay, got you. Yeah, Bryant Young. Yeah, you they're Zach gonna reveal. Thomas. They're gonna reveal them Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. you want to see the other one. And then, as far as like Lyman, you got Tony Baselli. If you're a football fan, you know he was a great for the six years he played. Steve Hutchinson. What him? I remember yep, him. Steve Hutchinson. Alan Fanica. Yeah, Alan Fanica was great too. Yeah, with the Steelers, he won a Super Bowl with them. He was he was definitely great. No, I mean this is this is a good finalist class. It's, it's very good. I'm glad. It's like somebody going to have to get through. Like yep. all of them could get in. So let but me ask you though, who? Ultimately, uh, maybe Isaac Bruce. Yeah, I don't think they're going to take both see of that. the Rams wide receivers. Yeah, they're not going to take both of them together. If and they do, I Reggie could... Wayne is going to be left out because Tony Holt's going to get in. Too many highlights. Yeah. Greatest yeah. show on turf. Too much mystique. Yep, Edger and James, I could see him being screwed. Because, you know, Paul Amalu a lot. He's going, he going to yeah. be the one that leads the class. Yeah, hopefully Steve Atwater doesn't get screwed, man. This is his third time being a finalist. Like it's it's time to put him in there. You you want to put him in there with John Lynch because I think John Lynch is gonna get in because it makes sense. But I can uh-huh. see Zach Thomas getting screwed too because he was always underrated because Jason Taylor was out there. Well, he, he played for Miami. Well, he was underrated, too, because you got to think about the yeah, era, Erlacher. too, that Zach – I was about to say that. Like, the era that he came in with Zach Taylor and him being a middle linebacker, like, you had Erlacher, 
You had Ray Lewis. Uh, who? I said, nah, Erlach and Ray Lewis. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So even, them, even I mean, London Fletcher. Yep. The people sleep on London Fletcher. Yeah. So Zach Thomas, you, but, might, you um, might get screwed. Yeah, but ultimately the locks are Troy Palomalo. Troy Palomalo is a lock. I think Troy oh, yeah. Holt is a lock. And that's about it, obviously. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so but, yeah. as well. All right, we got to get into the night game, yeah. sir. Seahawks in the Packers. Uh, yeah. Who do you think is going to come victorious out of that? Um, I like Aaron Rodgers under this pressure. But at the same time, like I said, the last game, they brought back Marshawn Lynch for a reason. And I can see him being a threat in the goal line, especially late in the game. Like we all know the mystique of Lambeau Field. We all know the legend of Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. And one thing that Aaron Rodgers didn't have in a while that he has this game is a running game. Yeah. Like, I expect Aaron Jones to have a big game. And honestly, it's time for Devontae Adams to step up if they're going to win this. But ultimately, I got Green Bay. I see another Green Bay San Francisco NFC Championship. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think that we're going to see, for the third time this season, Seattle and San Francisco. Um, I don't know. It's just something about, yeah, it's just something about the the number one, I guess the Achilles heel for the Seattle Seahawks is going to be situational play calling. Like, we saw Seattle damn near messed it up last week where they were supposed to run the ball. No, I'm sorry, not last week. The uh, the week going into the week 17. So we saw in week 17 when they were going up against the 49ers, which was a game that pretty much would have decided if the 49ers were going to have a first-round bye or if it was going to be Seattle to have a first-round bye. And the whole landscape of everything could have been changed if Seattle had won that game. And when we look at it and we see it, like, to me, it's just crazy because you have the ball at the one-yard line. You can't figure out what you're going to do as far as giving the ball to Lynch or not. Then you get a delay of game penalty, and you move back five yards. Then you have to take Lynch out the game because you need to add a receiver, and then you get stopped at the one-yard line. Like, it's stuff like that that caused the frustration and ultimately calls for – L-O-B, and I guess if you want to say the rebellious ones or the tough guys of Seattle, it calls for them to rebel and speak up and say how displeased they were with the coaching, and they don't personally know why what's-the-name still has his job, Pete Carroll, uh, because of the bullshit that happened. So situational coaching is going to be key for the Seahawks. They have to they have to be on their P's and Q's in Lambeau Field. Yeah. They have to. Because Aaron Rodgers, you don't got to worry about that with this two-minute drill. 
He wanted the best to exactly. do it. Exactly. One of the best. But you're right. I mean, in a way, I kind of want to switch to the to the Packers. And another reason why is actually going to be somewhat off of politics because who was the team that kicked off the NFL season for NFL 100? Who was one of the original teams of the NFL? It was the Green Bay Packers Green, who played against the Chicago Green Bay. Bears. The oldest rivalry. Yep, Green Bay and the Chicago Bears. So wouldn't it be befitting for the Green Bay Packers to get in the Super Bowl? Play the San Francisco 49ers, beat them, and then Aaron Rodgers is in the Super Bowl against, hopefully, Patrick Mahomes. So we – it's tough. I think Seattle can win it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay won. But ultimately, I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks, but I'm looking for a great game either way. So I guess I'm going to stick with my original pick, even though everything right now is just clicking for me. But I'm just going to go with the Seattle Seahawks for this pick. What do you got, Zeus? Uh, I'm gonna go with the Seahawks. I mean, if anything, uh, we talking advantages. I mean, <laughs> uh, just to start off with this, and <laughs> just to throw it out there as a joke, we're putting fifty percent on the blame of quarterback. I'm riding with uh, Russell Wilson just because of his MVP candidate spot, or just like him as a player, not candidate spot, but just him just being an MVP-type player in every situation that he does. And then also, I think it comes down to who's going to actually throw these dots this game because I think their secondary and then also their defenses is pretty much evenly matched. Um, I don't really see advantage with that. I think it all relies on the offense. And then I think right now, I think I will probably go with maybe the Seahawks right now, even though you got, uh, what is that, uh, Lockett and uh, Metcalf, you know, that's pretty much like the best two that the Packers have had in a nice little minute. And without Dot, uh, what is that, Adams uh, even uh, being like really active, I mean, they still kind of have an edge on that. But like I said, the defense are match, so that's going to be more of a challenge. And then just with Russell Wilson behind the ball, I think he'll just make great plays. Left, uh, what is that? Their safety. Um, I can't think of his name right now. I think it's like Donnell Jordan or something like that. Unless he steps up and he can put pressure on Russell Wilson and maybe get him out of uh, his little comfort zone. But other than that, I'm going with the Seahawks. Okay. All right. Air Packers. I think Aaron's going to find a way. I don't know. I mean. Now, that dude got something to prove. He got that coach out of there. He got to do it on his own. He got something to prove. Who was he? But let's get into the next topic, gentlemen. What is it? I guess to wrap up the AFC um, GBU. Yeah. I'll let you take it away, MT. 
Because my right, simply AFC, put. <laughs> Alright, so AFC GBU. I mean, first of all, I'm just gonna hit on a few points here. First of all, great job to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh Mahomes going through an injury. I'm still finding a way to win one of those games while he was away. And that team grabbing a number one seed. Also, even though they lost last night, we're talking about the regular season. Man, it was the Ravens being 14-2. and two. We're talking about a team that had injuries in the secondary, but that front office saw that Marcus Peters, you know, might not have been happy there, especially with the Rams openly expressing that they had interest in Jalen Ramsey. So them bringing Marcus Peters over, uh, picking up Earl Thomas in the offseason. Uh, but the Marcus Peters trade to me was really the – key turning point for the Baltimore Ravens. Why? Because the Ravens were decimated in their secondary. Uh, They were hurt, if anybody doesn't know. They were hurt. They had a lot of people out in that secondary. And that's ultimately why they lost the game to, it was Cleveland, and they lost to, I believe, Kansas City Chiefs as well. But them bringing Marcus Peters over in that trade helped with turning around their season because then the secondary got healthy. And then once that happened, people couldn't figure out really how to stop Lamar Jackson until last night. Uh, For the bad in the AFC, hey, got to talk about it. The New England Patriots, uh, number one, you don't find any alternatives to your offensive line after you essentially had to have a makeshift offensive line this season because of so many Mm -hmm. injuries there. Robert Kraft being a hypocrite. Uh, getting rid of Antonio Brown and essentially leaving Tom Brady with that much. And then Tom Brady, even by his own admission of him playing poorly this season and this certainly not being one of his best seasons. So New England Patriots as a whole, I mean, the only good thing that they could talk about is their defense. So, but overall, Patriots, they're on the bad list. Also, another team on the bad list, the Oakland Raiders. This is a team that looked like they actually could have snuck into the well, playoffs. Go ahead. Las Vegas Raiders now, sir. Yeah, well, Las Vegas Raiders. But, you know, during the season, obviously, the Oakland Raiders. But that was a team I don't that – know if you- I don't even know if you would have put that Las Vegas, I mean, I mean Las Vegas Raiders on that. You should have just stuck to Oakland. Don't claim them yet, okay? <laughs> Especially not. <laughs> exactly. With, yeah. I mean, it's not, but on the positive side, what they do last year? They had, I mean, they got some potential for next season. Derek Carr played a great season, especially one of the most accurate in the league. They might have a star Waller in the future, and who yeah, knows, I mean, his, Jacobs. I mean, I had no so, doubt about that, but it was just some games that the Raiders should have won, and there were some opportunities that they had. Like you got to remember, the Raiders. I were agree. Those are a lot of opportunities. Yeah, but the thing is, we, we, we didn't even expect them to even be close. And we didn't even expect them to get them opportunities. We all expect them to go like four and twelve. They actually overachieved. I wouldn't say overachieved. I would say they were pretty much average, is what they were. Yeah, they were yeah, two games well, better than the. Compared to what we predicted, we all predicted them to do horrible. 
yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely take the charges, and that's they are part of my ugly. But let me just finish with the yeah, they ugly as hell. Yeah, but also with the bad. one man particular to me. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, but ultimately with the bad as well as the Colts. I mean, actually, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm gonna leave that out. I'm gonna go with the Jacksonville Jaguars of being bad. Like, come on, Jags. Are you serious? You spend all that money on Nick Foles, him just coming off of a Super Bowl. He gets hurt, so you got to throw in Gardner Minshew. You had to trade away Jalen Ramsey because he was unhappy with the organization. And then a report later on leaked out about how shitty your organization was and what the GM and, and certain people were doing in your front office as far as making things mandatory that were supposed to be voluntary for the players and finding them over stupid stuff. So at the end of the day, Jacksonville Jaguars, you were terrible. And then I'm not even going to put them on the bad because I think me and Zeus called it. The Cleveland Browns, we all expected them to be there. We did. And it's just what happens when you put when you try to put a team like that together and you don't have the right coaching. That's what ends up happening. Uh, oh, but to jump I think, back to the I group, think Kitchen should be on the ugly, though. Oh, he is. Because Kitchen's of his coaching. on the ugly because you get rid of Hugh Jackson, and then Kitchens, you take that team 6-10. and 10. I mean, we all at least expected for the Cleveland Browns to finish 8-8. Eight and eight. But the fact that they didn't proves the point of he was never the right man for the job. Also, the ugly, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they have done absolutely nothing. I mean, for all of that, you could have kept Marvin Lewis there, and he probably would have gotten you a better record than 2-14. and 14. And last but not least for the ugly, and I'll leave it to Mr. Jones if I left anything out. I'm sure I did. But for last but not ugly, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, the last, and we're talking about the ugly, is the L.A. Chargers. Like, Phillip Rivers, what what were you doing? Were you continuing to create your football roster like you've been doing successfully for, you know, the last 10-plus years with your children? Is that what's going on? Because you threw some games away, and we all expected for the L.A. Chargers to at least be in the playoffs. They did absolutely nothing this season. They were absolutely horrible. Melvin Gordon came back for absolutely nothing. The Chargers are one of the worst franchises in the entire NFL. They continue to waste careers. They continue to waste people's time. I see why Eli Manning spoke up and said that he wasn't going there and he wasn't signing a contract if he got drafted by the Chargers. And then that's when the Chargers made that a decision to trade him to the New York Giants. Uh, the Chargers didn't make the decision to sign Drew Brees. They let LT go after they wasted the prime years of his career. Like, the Chargers are a absolutely shitty franchise as a whole. They have wasted so many careers over the years, so many. And it doesn't, well, you know, I'm not even going to say. Go ahead. 
you pretty much recapped it for me, man. I pretty much agree with everything you said. I just, in particular, Philip Rivers deserves to be on the fucking ugly. I'm sorry. That's how you want to go out? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Uh, but it's like we've seen it time and time again over the years, you know. Like, he's going to be one of the ones, another great Chargers quarterback or good Chargers quarterback that's not going to get a ring. No different than Dad's house was. But at least he had yeah. a, he had LT, all-time top five great running back, and still couldn't win it. That shows you something. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, you got to throw Baker Mayfield in the bad or the ugly. I don't know. You choose. He got to be there, too, in particular. Him and Odell did not click this season. And honestly, Odell is probably not even happy already. Uh-huh. And honestly, in the bad, from all the stuff that happened in the offseason until the bummy-ass season they had, the Miami Dolphins organization as a whole, they yeah. need to be there as well. And also for the good, we did miss a glaring one, and definitely the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Great turnaround season they had. Incredible season. Josh Allen shows why he should be the franchise quarterback. Just a couple of tweaks to his decision-making. I think he'll be okay coming next year. Uh And that's pretty much about it. That's pretty much what I got. But the L.A. Chargers, they play at a soccer stadium. I never took them serious. (laughs) <laughs> why are you judging? Why are you judging them from their stadium? That's that's disrespectful. But no, no, I, I think the NFL feel bad team Philip with fifteen thousand. Uh, the stadium they play in fit like fifteen thousand, bro. Mm-hmm. That's why. It's high school teams out here in Vegas playing for the fifteen thousand. I mean, it's probably Shout out high to schools Gorman. in Georgia but, as well. <laughs> probably whole and Texas. Oh, let's talk I about have, Friday oh, Night yes. Lights. Man, <laughs> I've Come been on, to a couple man. of games, and those stadiums were packed. Uh, it was definitely a, a major crowd. And not even going to lie, it seemed like it would probably be better than a Chargers game. But let me not go uh, to talk bad on them when they're already in the ugly. Um, if we can conclude this, um, let's get into the Michael Thomas message. I know y'all. I don't know if you heard, but he had a lot uh-uh. to say about last night. So no, Michael Thomas no, got on Twitter last night. Okay, he got his Twitter fingers ready, and um, okay. had a lot okay. to say about I, I the Vikings wide receivers' struggles about uh, <laughs> about uh, the Forty Niners. Um, let me see some of the things that he tweeted. Let me see. Uh, um, 17 hours ago, uh, laugh, laugh emoji. That's what y'all get. Y'all talk all that uh, doodle emoji. I don't think anyone can catch one catch, more than one catch. I had seven. I had hold on, hold on. I'm gonna try to say it in this voice. I had seven with a broken hand. I don't want to hear laugh emoji. Garbage. Time yards don't count. Cut off the game. I can't relate. Mark about to come out and get your popcorn ready. Now I gotta chop that. These are all his tweets from his own personal 
account, I believe he didn't change his name uh, to, okay, I don't know if this was his regular name, but it's Kent Guard Mike. So what do you guys have to say about it? Where are you uh, doing it from? Salty. His couch. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds salty to me. Exactly. Definitely sound Actually, salty. Actually, uh, Steve, Stephen A. Smith already all said, uh, my man Salty, with a laughing emoji while smoking a cigar by a Christmas tree. Well, here's the thing, sir. I'm going to be honest with you. I believe in keeping that same energy throughout the season. So we all called Stephen A. Smith a coon, so I can really care less about any of his quotes on this show. I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. <laughs> I can tell I can definitely agree. But yeah. speaking about that, though, if y'all don't have anything about to say about this, what about your man Max Kellerman actually talking about uh, um, um, Tom Brady to the Cowboys? That was also mentioned. I believe either that was earlier today or yesterday or sometime recently. Well, I also say that, too. As well, well. well, the reason why Kellerman said they that gonna do is that because – no, but the reason why Kellerman said that is because that's what uh, T.O. said. He said that the Cowboys are pretty much complete, and they need to go out and pick up Tom Brady, and then they will pretty much be complete as a team, and they can win a Super Bowl. That's what T.O. said. So that's why Max Kellerman brought that up. But okay, I disagree. Okay. Here's the thing, whether the Cowboys like it or not, Dak Prescott is your future. And you solidified that he was your future when he took you 13-3 and because you had the opportunity to yank him and essentially say, hey, uh, Dak, you know, thank you for getting us into the playoffs, but we kind of want to see how Romo would do with this team instead of you. And the fact that they didn't do that, Let's me know that they're sold on Dak. Uh, latest reports out of Dallas. And they got rid of, of Dez. That's important. And they got rid of Dez, too. So it was anybody who was causing any kind of friction there, calling out Dak, uh, saying what's not being done. Remember, Cole Beasley had his comments and everything. They let Cole Beasley ass go, too. So it's Dak's team. And Stephen you Jones keep that also confirmed. He did. <laughs> he did. But Stephen Jones also confirmed recently, it was a few days ago after the Mike McCarthy signing in a big press conference, he said we should have had a deal done with Dak, and quite frankly, we just have to get it done. So a deal is in the works. They're going to get Dak his money, and then once Dak gets his money, boom, that'll pretty much solidify everything. Tom Brady is not coming. If anything, I believe that Tom Brady will resign with the New England Patriots. But – yeah, like I, I hate said. that they push the narrative with the Chargers. Exactly. I know exactly. they got the new stadium all that. He a Cali boy. He be a hell. Yeah. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> the only I don't, I don't yeah, think so either. It's not. I just had to throw it, that out there though, because uh, no, no, no. It's when good. I when I heard it, I was like, uh, that's far fetched. Exactly, but it's T.O. honestly trying to create more controversy and everything. But did y'all also hear about the Cowboys player, and they won't name that person, who sent Jason Garrett a text that said, fuck off. 
after he, you know, after oh, he was yeah. I did hear that. I did hear that. I mean, yep. I think he probably let's deserved play, it. To be honest, let's with get you. let's play a game. But guess who? I mean, who how many did it? How many players? Guess who? I think uh, it was Demarcus probably, Lawrence who yeah. did it. Is it him or Michael? I think Bell? it's a defensive dude. It's a defensive it, dude, and it, it might be Demarcus exactly. Lawrence. Yep. It'd be funny if it was Zeke because he deserved to do it. <laughs> I swear, I was about to say Zeke. Zeke is definitely like my second, third pick. But you know what though, Zeke Between, is too um, high. Other than that, I would say like Zeke is too high lineman. to care about that type of shit. It probably was D Law. It was a defensive dude. Yeah. Only reason why I say it was D Law was because of him going public with the statement that he made, where he came out and said, you know, this team has all talent but no direction. So he pretty much let you know how he felt about Jason Garrett's leadership. Like, seriously, he let you know how he felt. And so at the end of the day, I agree, bro. I I agree with you. I think that it was DeMarcus Lawrence. It was either DeMarcus Lawrence or Michael Bennett. But Bennett hasn't been there long enough hmm. to do something like that, but we know that he's very outspoken. It has to be a veteran player. Well, I, would, I would definitely agree it's a veteran player. He was cussing people out in the locker room. So it might have been Michael Bennett. Couldn't put the pass on. Yeah. But it could be anybody. But just think about everybody that just kind of carried him in the season. Like, we all it seen was DeMarcus Lawrence. him it, it was DeMarcus Lawrence. clapping DeMarcus and was... people lashing out. <laughs> Like, come yeah. on, man! It it literally be and it, it, actually it could have been a group text. It could have been like, uh, hey, we all gonna send this fuck off. What <laughs> <laughs> about Jason Witten? He's a wild card. I, I wouldn't think, think he would do that because it's it's his reputation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I would say, and then especially him just being like a sports announcer and everything, just. But they're, they're, they're anonymous, so it's, just, we never it's know. immature. It's immature. It's immature, though. I don't that that. If anything, he would probably sent some roses with a card. I think that would have been the proper fuck off. If mm-hmm. he would have did it, and I would have probably blamed him then. It's probably D. It's D. Yeah. Law. I think it's D. It's D. Law. I'm talking yeah. about D. Law. It's definitely D. Law. And at the end of the day, I don't blame him for doing what he did. And because remember, D. Law even came out publicly, and he even made a statement telling he said he had slapped the shit out of all of y'all. Remember he said that? I forgot who he was talking about. I think it was the reporters or something. But he was like, I don't care right now. I slapped the shit out of all of y'all. So with that being said, yeah, I think it was D. Law. I really do. I think the team itself has been frustrated with Garrett, the coaching decisions, the play calling, the the lack of leadership there. The thing is, is Mike McCarthy, as we get into the head coaching, is Mike McCarthy the long-term answer for the Cowboys? No. He is the short-term. I want to tell everybody right now, please don't be fooled. He signed a five-year deal, but don't think Jerry is going to keep him on for 10, 11 years, the only way he'll stay on that long is if he wins a Super Bowl. But right now, he is the short-term solution for the Cowboys. He's going to come in with some direction, but it's been proven as well that Mike McCarthy, when it's the star players and all of that, they can voice their opinion and kind of go over his head. So he'll be somewhat of a disciplinary, but not quite. 
but he will be somewhat of a disciplinary. He'll be more well, respected. We, all right. I don't think Jason yeah, Garrett was respected at all. They went straight no, in the owner's office. Respected. They ain't go me see the coach first. No. Well, since we on the topic, why don't you think about uh, talk about everybody else's coaching decision? Uh, just I was about to say get that. straight yeah, into we'll it because we Cowboys still have to uh, cover it anyway. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to uh-huh. the Cowboys last. All right, so what do y'all think about the New York Giants and Joe Judge? I've been conflicted on this. I'll give you all what my final opinion is, but I want to hear your thoughts first. So for those of you all that it don't know. It depends on what, what is his record. I'm about to say, what, what, what is his achievements? I'm about to say, we can start there, and then I can give you my, you know, my opinion on that. Well, Joe Judge, I mean, it's kind of going to give away my stance, but Joe Judge has been a coach <laughs> or some type of coach for about 15 years. Obviously, he spent the first few years in the, in the uh, SEC. He was a um, – what was he? He was like a coaching – Intern, hold on, let me get the correct term because I don't want to just say it, you know, like just go out there. All right, so he was a graduate Understandable. Assistant. You don't want to be like yeah. your man, uh, you know, if anything, you know, four, four and three is better than four exactly. and nine. So, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. So, for, so he was a graduate assistant for Mississippi State for a couple years, and then he became the linebacker's coach at Birmingham and Southern. And then he was the special teams assistant, so not the coordinator, but the assistant on Alabama. So he spent some time with Nick Saban, spent about two to three seasons there. And then in about 2012, he was a special teams assistant, got promoted to the special teams coordinator from 2015 to 2018. And then his most recent job was the special teams coordinator and the wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots, and now he's with the New York Giants. But remember, in 2009 and 2011, Alabama won the national championship, and he was a special teams assistant there. Okay. So what is what is this do Hold to on. your uh, I mean, uh Zeus, Zeus, you're breaking up, sir. You're breaking up very badly. Like you're breaking up terribly. All right. Yeah, but we'll wait for him to fix that. Um Mr. Jones, how do you feel? Well, um Like that was the worst 
part of the Patriots this season was their wide receivers, and this guy was coaching them. I'm always a little skeptical as well when Belichick lets go of people because I know he's a selfish guy, but this guy has pretty much had championship all around him for a nice chunk of his coaching career. We all know that the SEC is the toughest division in college football, and then for him to win two national titles at Alabama and then be a part of the Patriots when they won three Super Bowls, he's got championship pedigree written all over. Uh, So we'll see what happens. But on the flip side, this also just goes to show you how bad the NFL is. You'd rather take a guy who's a special team. Let me, let's put this into perspective. A special teams coordinator and a wide receivers coach versus taking a guy in Eric Bieniemy out of Kansas City who was an established offensive coordinator who we see what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing on the offensive side. You can say what you want about, oh, I believe that it's mostly Andy Reid. Eric Bieniemy obviously is behind some of it. Um, you have Lovey Smith, yeah. who is you have Lovey Smith, who is out of a head coaching slash coordinator job, and he's in college right now, coaching the University of Illinois. What has he done to piss off the NFL? that he can't even at least get a coordinator's job in the NFL who took that Bears team to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as the quarterback. Like, it's sad at the end of the day. Very. Hold on, Zeus. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, perfect. Sorry about that, sir. I had to go on a little rant for a minute about the NFL and that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get Yeah. But the best coaching hire, though, to run through it, I still think the Redskins got the best coaching hire, man. Ron Rivera is a great hire because he's, he he's changing the culture already. He ain't even the yeah. draft yet. Yep. Yeah, I, I think the impact was major for the locker room as well. I mean, just even the the, the teammates and then also the other moves that they're making, it seems it shook up just a lot of controversy in the NFL. I think that maybe gave the draft to other teams to probably implement the same strategy and not hold back and then end up waiting to the next season to end up making these late moves. Yeah. I mean, but real quick, salute yeah, to the have... Cleveland Browns. I was just going to say salute to the Cleveland Browns for getting rid of Kitchens. Yeah, um, I, I really think the Cleveland Browns really need to clean up a lot of their organization because as a franchise, it's a losing franchise. It was, it's pretty much hell there. That's a work in progress. And I don't know when they can actually get the proper turnaround. 
and who can actually give that their uh, I guess uh, winning pride if they can at least start at least going half uh, like ending the season in, like at least a 500 or above that then that could be a turnaround they have the talent it just seems they don't have the supporting cast behind that crazy uh-huh. thing though Zeus is we've been saying this shit for 20 years bro yep they just not want us And at the end of the day, you can't fire the owner, so what can you do? So, if you want to conclude this, I got anything else with the coaching situation? Because I do kind of want to open it up and get into this entertainment segment. No, I mean, I think we've taken enough. Yeah, let's go ahead and get to it, man. We could talk about Edelman next week and his damn vandalism, but we'll get to it next week. (laughs) Yeah, Fucking idiot. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get to entertainment. Let's pull up the debt. So what are we talking about? Um, it depends, man. We can go straight into the albums that came out, Um, even though it really wasn't too much that came out, at least not to me. Only thing I pretty much listened to, I did listen to the Jack Boys album, um, which was pretty dope. If you guys heard that, anybody listen to it? I'm sure y'all heard the collab yeah, with Young Thug and Travis Scott. They got everybody going wild right now because yeah. I've been listening to it for the last couple of days. Wait a minute, Jack Boys isn't Young Thug and Travis Scott. That's just Travis Scott and then no, the people no, no. that I'm he... talking about the oh, song. Okay. I'm talking about the song uh, that they have oh, on yeah. the album. There's a song oh, yeah, in particular because yeah, yeah. that that would that would that's what gained my uh, attention to the album. I was like, okay. okay. This is a nice little collab. And then also I talked to uh, somebody else um, that followed us in the group as well. And he was saying why they haven't came out with a project gig. And I was like, I don't think Travis Scott will get his shine with Young Thug if they collab on the album. He will probably have to wait on that. But that was just my I think Travis opinion. Scott is on another level right now. He is. No, I think he's on like. I'm not. I'm not. He don't got lie. nothing to gain I, I, from it. Really, it's not the point of gaining. I think he will actually gain less because I think Young Thug will probably outshot him on the project. That's just me personally. You you actually believe that? Ooh, you disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> My stomach turned a little bit. I don't know about that one, brother. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, man, no, about his projects. I mean, if anything, all right, so uh, when Travis Scott came out, he had uh, the track with uh, the 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 Honcho Jack. That was with Quavo. That was mediocre. Yeah, um, yeah, Honcho Jack, so, Jack Honcho. It wasn't that. Uh, I like it. It wasn't that mediocre. I like it. Yeah. But it's, 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 a, it's a regular artist. I mean, Quavo is a hook specialist. I'm not even going to lie to you. He's like. For the Migos, he's like 50 cent for G-Unit. Like, he can come up with a hook out of nowhere. And they can just ride the yeah. beat. And it's great. But it's, that was an okay project. Uh, whatever project that he had with a split with somebody else. I want to say it was another one. And that was uh-huh. pretty okay. I just don't see the talent that Young Thug have going with Travis Scott. Because 
usually his projects take a longer time to come out because he has to perfect his craft. And it's not like how I would say Young Thug would drop was dropping his projects at one time and everybody was eating it up and it was fire. He still has a fan base and he really hasn't really came out with a solid project. Uh, I think mm-hmm. his last one was, was that Slime. I think he came up with the Slime Deluxe remix or something like that or one of those albums. And that's still selling. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just that's just my opinion on that. But as far as the album, though, going on to that and not even the collab on that, the album was pretty decent, though. Alright So what else came out man And then also Oh What y'all think uh, man Drinking Money the Bag future Yo. coming out Oh Yeah oh, Money man. Bag I Yo came out My man It's That was a pretty I, I, it was a solid project I mean Money Bag Yo Always Give a solid project What I wanna shit on For real Is the Breakfast Club Because that interview Was trash <laughs> Well, that and it was first tra- of all, I'm, I was about to say that. Let, let's be real. The interview was trash because their best interviewer had to leave early during that interview, which was Charlemagne. And yeah, you're right. That interview mm. did no justice for what that album actually was, which was a very, very, very good album. Um, to me, this is this. You know what this album reminds me of? It reminds me of. Future the Wizards of last year. So it's a good album. We got the new year started off right with a nice solid project, but we're going to forget about it because of the way social media has our minds controlled. And when we go down to the end of the year and we get to nominate hip hop albums, like we're going to forget about it. That's the problem. But this is a very solid I mean, but then again, you got a lot of superstars that's dropping this year too. Yeah. Like, J. Cole is coming. Kendrick is going to be coming. It's about time for a surprise J album this summer. Like, oh, no. Nope. 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 No more J. J. J's, J's done. Let him stay on the yeah, same four, Nobody four, four wants another fire, J album. Though. It was. It was. A decent project. It was a great constructed project put together. I would say that. So you think but they should like, not drop another album? No, I don't. I, well, at least not this year. This is not. This is not the year for him to drop out an album. There's a couple of artists that shouldn't come up with an album this year. You know what? Yeah. Before we get into the next segment, I gotta I gotta segue anyway. Um first of all, I do wanna give a shout out to uh Serena Williams actually getting her uh first title since two thousand seventeen. Um, she ended up winning a match. Um, I believe this is going up to maybe I think she has like seventy seven 
um, titles or was it 87, one of the two. I want to get that corrected because I don't want to spit anything uh, that's not the real. But speaking of legendary status, what we were talking about last week, I kind of want to break into that since we're talking about people that shouldn't be dropping albums uh, this year and also who we consider legends. Okay. All right. All right. So let's throw out some names then for people who we consider legends in the game. And remember, we can have a lot of legends, just like the NFL has a lot of Hall of Famers and the NBA has a lot of fa- a lot of Hall of Famers, but there are only few that can be considered goats or greatest of all time or greatest of their era. So let's get into it. I'm gonna throw out I'm some a, names uh, as well. Yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be strict today. Who y'all got? All right. All right, let's do it. First off, I'm going to throw out Redman. Is he a legend? Uh, Damn, that's tough. I ain't even going to lie to you. I'm Redman. Yes. But do I have his discography on my phone? Hell no. Do I listen to his music regularly? Fuck no. But I'm going to be serious about this conversation. His lyrics is dope. Have I listened to his music? Fuck yeah. Have I think that he made his way um, lyrically and implanted that in a lot of artists that came after him? Hell yeah. Because uh, another person I would say that we would never have if we go into immediately uh, or just like right now would be like the baby and then going backwards would be like ludicrous. And then everybody else will wordplay. It's trying to use a pun after pun after pun. So I would say that he's legendary, yes. And his impact on the culture, like as far as, you know, weed and all of that, the dudes will how high. I mean, this his personality and everything and how he navigated through three decades of hip-hop still being mentioned amongst the greats with generations today. I would say he's a legend. Okay. All right. That's good. He the only dude to be with Wu Tang all the time. It's not part of Wu Tang, which is true. But I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not a Wu Tang fan. Sorry, I ain't get down with the what is it, the Chi or, or the the the, the Wu Tang food gang. I I never got down with it. That's like I ain't even gonna lie to I you. I think the wackest person ever was Ghostface Killer, and I don't understand how everybody likes oh, this man. I really don't. You don't like Ghostface? I really don't. I know I do not. Ghost, Ghostface, I couldn't right. get with it. I ain't gonna lie to you for real, nice. for real. I think, I think, I think Ghost, Ghostface like breaded Jim Jones because Jim Jones is pretty party. much like the most similar person that I ever seen that was like Ghostface, like Dipset. Seem like Don't they got their, their, their. I swear to God, because Jimmy was the same person with the big ass birds on his chains, it was belt buckles and all that. Like, come on, like oh, he was the Bama shit, just dude. like that man. I'm just saying, come on, you man. Sit on a throne. Let's be realistic. Lie. 
throwing it. But you what? know, man, throwing I mean, as far as albums, I like Raekwon albums better. You know, Purple Tape alone, you know, the Purple Tape. And then, you know, Method Man was the, you know, all-around better artist. Method Man, the one who stood out as far as Wu-Tang and ODB. But I got one for y'all. I'm going to keep it West Coast today. One person I'm going to mention is MC8. Was he considered MC8 a legend? Hmm. Yeah, you went real throwback with it. Um, MC8. Okay, so this is my question to you. Yes. What has MCA done for the hip hop community as far as breeding talent? As far as breeding talent, I would say nothing, but yeah. as far as his influence in the nineties, as far as like the gang culture. Influence and breeding rap, talent that can go hand in hand because if he had an influence, then somebody had to be influenced by him and to pick up his style I mean, or, or either run with it and go it, it did and as far change as him the game. Storytelling, or elevate. As far as him as storyteller, too, like the song for Menace to Society, Straight Up Menace, that's one of the best storyteller songs out there. Okay, well, I have a lot of storytellers. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Slick Rick is a great storyteller, and I would say that's he's a, the best. That's a guarantee. He's legend. the best. Man, so he's the if you want to talk about storytelling, man, come on, man. Slick Rick is the best. Like, we can get him out of there. Both if anything, if you want to, both of y'all, both of y'all act like some straight <laughs> bitches scared to twist these niggas' caps back. Okay, man. Both come of y'all. Hold up, hold up. Who you? MCA is a legend. Ain't nobody. Thank you, brother. Ain't nobody. Ain't gonna be out here. All right. Ain't Exactly. Nigga, give me, exactly. give me my help. Exactly. You need some help. my joint, nigga. <laughs> with, the D, with the D.E. out there, though. <laughs> nah, MCA is a legend indeed, bro. I'm going to keep it all <laughs> West Coast today because I don't think West Coast get enough respect. Oh, okay. well, then throw my man E-40 up there, then. Oh, oh certified. E-40 is a No legend. doubt. Certified. He's still making hits today. Certified. Exactly. Too short. Yeah. What about too short? Too short is a legend. Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. I give too short the the legendary status because if you talk about the art, like the art of storytelling, not even like the actual album. And before I even get into those guys, we already agree with they they were they were legends. And then we have another art of storytelling, which is a group. Which a couple members, I believe, are legends too, as well. But uh, related Jones. to Too Short. Oh, come on, man. No. All right, so look, I want to throw somebody out there that this is really not too um, known as a legend. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a minute. And it's just like, uh,. Is it too early, or dang, did his gimmicks like go out the way, or do they they going to think I'm trolling? But I gotta throw my man out there, Soldier Boy. Oh, he's a legend. People are foolish if they believe that he's not. Everybody who you see coming up off of this YouTube era, getting fame from the internet first and creating their buzz from the internet first and social media, then. Getting signed and everything, 
you are a fool if you think that Soldier Boy isn't the pioneer of that shit. Soldier Boy is a legend. Plain and simple. See, that's the key word. He's a pioneer, but is he a legend? Exactly. Like, do people still that's listen to Kiss Me Through the Foes? His Actually, best hit, Bow Wow. But they do, killed. though. Think about it. I'm not even going to lie to you. Oh, that is another thing. Because if Soulja Boy is a legend, then that's considered to be Bow Wow. Is he a legend? Because he had one of the most phenomenal runs as a kid in this era. Wow. Like, I know Mr. everybody went through that. Let me tell you Mr. One Mr. Wow. Wow. in part. But hey, look, I would not classify him as a legend because he didn't bow gracefully. And then it's also the reason with no. Soldier Boy. I don't know what his future endeavors is, but he's still young. And he's still relevant in the game. Like, he's still yeah. doing tracks with other people and putting no, out samples and people let me using his rhymes in their songs. And he's getting money. Bow wow. Like, he, he had Beyonce in the quarter. Come on, man. Hold on. Let me tell you he something. He puts back on Hold on. Hold on. First of all, hold on. Bow Wow is not only a legend, he's an Ohio goat. He's the goat of Ohio. There will never be anybody else bigger than Bow Wow from Ohio. Bone? Ever. <laughs> Bone? LeBron James? Ever. LeBron Bone? James. Boy, both of LeBron James. Like, no, I'm just playing. I'm but, about, yeah, Bone Thugs, the and then industry. also, and that's why I was Bone talking about earlier, too, when I said Wild. the art of storytelling. And I was like, Wild a couple Wild. of, uh, a couple of people nope. out of there, like, you got busy and crazy. Nope. Both, nope. I would think. I disagree. That was I disagree. What? LeBron, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Bow Wow, I'm talking about as far as the music industry. Bow Wow, Ohio Goat, okay? From the movie, Like Mike and all of that. From his album, from the tours that he put together, from getting smack on B. He got none of that, And though. putting on he for Bow Wow. He got none of that. Oh, wow. None of that was. None of that was. Under I mean, his, he started his, with his wing. That dude was on the "What's My Name Is" video. Like he started very early. Yeah, he was that like was Jermaine cool. Dupree's cool, biggest actress, Chris Cross. How, how, <laughs> how yeah, lucrative exactly. was it for Shad Moss? It was very it, it was lucrative. pretty lucrative. He wasted his money. He blew his money. It wasn't on the industry and all that because he, How did he, he blow made a good No, you can't, you can't blow 14. money. You can't blow money that you had that you wasn't getting. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to say that he didn't get dick. You know what I'm saying? Out his deals and his money. Yes, he did. But with that being said, he should have went back to try to get some of his masters and did the same thing. My man Soldier uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 AKA Draco and um, uh, Drake, Drake, whatever his last name is. But yeah, Bow Wow his was going to and still came to come out with the same song that can come still on, pop Bow was going... today. What? what are you talking about? And make money from it. <laughs> Bow Wow was going platinum at thirteen, bro. He owns none of his masters, though. <laughs> he don't need to own That's it not his to money. be a legend. He don't need to own it to be a legend. Oh, my God. I think so. Because you pretty much did it for somebody else. Then 
Okay, so you're you uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Baby Curry, a legend. Jermaine Dupree is a legend. Can I ask you something? Bobby Brown. Is Bobby Brown a legend. Bobby Brown. Yeah. Uh, fuck no. R&B. Get the fuck out of here. Those questions. Bobby Brown is a legend. I don't know, man. I fucked with. Uh, I fucked with Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown's a fucking legend. You on the fist with that? That's not my legend. You serious? That's not my legend. You serious? R&B legend. I'm dead ass serious right now. Come on, man. Tenderoni. Come on, you said man. Tenderoni. Go ahead, hey, man. Tenderoni. Come on, man. My point though. is this, though. Now, hold on. Hold, hold on. My point is this, though, Zeus. I get what you're saying about him not owning his masters, but the thing is this, my good sir. A lot of the people that were coming up who are considered Legends and everything in hip hop, R and B, etc. Don't own. Oh yeah, we got a couple of minutes. I'm gonna have to break this down. No, no, no. no. I get what you're saying. Hold on. Okay. All right. So, so look. No, 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 no. I get what you're saying. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish real quick. Go ahead. But there are a lot of them who don't own their masters, but it still doesn't mean that they aren't legends in the game. Nas didn't own his legends. I mean, I'm sorry, he didn't own his masters until he met Prince because he was asking for Prince to do a song with him. Oh, and Prince was like, great thing. Man, do you way into what I was about to masters? say. Yeah. So, I'm right. sorry. So, you can't now, dismiss this, this, what this they've is going done. on that, going on to that. And, and maybe, and, and look, and look, no, okay. Yeah, you cannot dis- dismiss what they've done, but also the back end what they've done. And that's what I, that was my point going into. What these, what I consider a legend is when they finish off what they've done, what they have done for themselves, not for anybody else, and bow out gracefully. And guess if they do come up with another project, you buy Young. That's a legendary project. Like they're coming out with their original content for themselves. They don't have to come out with this because they're tied into a label. They don't have to come out with this because. They so, feel so obligated to come out with this music. I guess men condition aren't legends. I guess men condition is a legend. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, boys and men either. I guess t- exactly, boys to men. I guess TLC, they aren't legends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Aaliyah, I guess she's not a legend. You, you know, know Jodeci, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yes, they're not legends. They just, I mean, you know, Biggie, that, Tupac, I mean. Exactly. Biggie and Tupac, I guess they're not legends either. they just somebody who was just rapping. That's all. Oh, my God. Okay. So, all right. This you know is what? your point. They this didn't your own, point. They didn't own their masters. This is, which is true. But I'm going by that, your was uncaused, that was an uncaused death. All right. Okay. Maybe I all right. Literally to live in legends. How about that? Living legends. And then also, you threw uh, Boys the Men out there. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Boys the Men is still out here doing concerts. They're still relevant. They still yeah, have. Yeah, Michael Bivins is still collecting checks. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I mean, that, that that's going into my point. Like, okay, they still control their music. They're still giving out music for them. They're not really, I guess, riding a wave and using some other main platform for their for their success. Where everybody so else that I think is not legends, legends fall yes off. Or no. Is Biggie and Tupac legends, yes or no? 
That's a great question. Because because of their untimely death, they was running literally the whole hip hop game and they had it divided, East and West, which was created from some other bullshit. But still, they're the two best rappers. They're the two best rappers in their prime running the game. For that hey, untimely the death, death, who hey, would they know don't own their match? What would have been done? Own, but but guess what? Right, they don't so, own okay, anything. But they're it. not living. I, I, that's why I say, all right, that's why I had to correct it. Literally living legends. That's what I mean. And that was my point, too. Sir, now, we're talking about sir, people that deceased this. and didn't get that. Oh, well, I can't really judge them for that. Because who would have known right. what they would have made it to? Exactly. They could have flopped or they could have kept doing good. All my, my thing exactly. is Exactly. And then if they flop, then how can you say they're a legend? Exactly. You can if they flop. But we didn't get that. We didn't get to see that. But let me ask you this. Is Gucci Man a legend? <laughs> you know you're going to say yes. I'll say yes for him. Go ahead. Man, come mm-hmm. on, man. That's my man. I then is he a legend. He a legend just as well as as uh as Wayne. It's French Montana so, legend. It's French Montana legend. No, no. He owns all of his masters, though, Mister Jones. He does. He actually got a deal know, with but and kept. They my criteria, brother. They oh, my okay. criteria. I'm, I'm, no. I'm not. No, I'm not I'm just, just going it out there. Oh, I just, so I was you, just you want to be a literal asshole. asshole. Look, all right, cool. It's a lot of people that own that masters, and that's just straight ass. All right, if you want to call me out for something, saying. I get you out for that. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, can agree with. Thing, I can agree when I'm wrong. I, mean, but here's I can agree thing, when I'm wrong. Frenchie, so I know, but going here's the thing, on that, though, though, even with Frenchie, you can't Frenchie necessarily say because he's been in the game for a long time. I know, but he's been in the game for a long time. Remember the uh, the the hood? What is it? The DVDs and everything that he came out with. That he was um, shooting for and everything, and he was the cameraman for. He brought a lot of content yeah, to hip hop over the years. Yeah. Okay. French is not a legend. I do like him though, and also as a, I guess him as a person, and then his endeavors that he makes. He does like make a lot of money and his background story. Because French actually came into this country not even speaking English. So just coming up from that going up. Is Eminem a legend? I respect the man. Is Eminem a legend? Yes. Wow. Yes. Why is Eminem a legend? At this point, I'm um, questioning because he's he's a, he's still living at this point, and right now, I'm not even gonna lie to you, it's really up for grabs for me with Eminem right now. I would say lyrically and the impact of his run from like '99 to '01, it's still coming back and features are still killing him like the Drake Forever joint. When he came out of nowhere and killed that. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I ain't the biggest fan of the man, but he's a legend. And then for Shady, 
people birthing people like fifty and all of that for shady. I'm about to hear becoming his becoming his even producing. All right, yeah, producing, owning Shade Four or Five, all of that. I think it's more so what he's done outside of uh, like his albums is what makes him a legend. But we gotta wrap this up. Uh, I am your host, MT. We appreciate everybody for listening. And with me are my co-hosts. Mr. Jones, a.k.a. Sam Jones. Mr. Co. First, because you got to respect me and my other co-hosts. This is the truth. Listen in next week, man. Make sure you stay tuned. Peace.